You're a wizard, Harry. You're not a fat pig like your cousin, and you're not a uh, bunch of reprobate like your uh, aunt and uncle. You are a wizard. Chapter 4, it's called The Keeper of the Keys, which is it's a fine title, I guess. I think I would have preferred The Key Keeper. Keep it short. Uh, don't waste my time with these prepositional constructions, but whatever. Chapter opens with uh, some good old-fashioned onomatopoeia. Boom. And then Uncle Vernon is like, well, shit, I wasn't expecting anyone because we're in the middle of the sea. And then uh, our friend Gregor Clegane smashes down the door because he gives no fucks about destruction of property. But now he looks like Cactus Jack. And he's like, I'm an intruder, make me some tea, I have some much-needed backstory to relay to you. And then he looks at Dudley, and he's like, you're a lump, which I think is like a charming Scottish way to fat shame. So we're getting, like, fat-shaming diversity, I guess, which is nice, maybe? No. And then Vernon is like, uh, you're breaking and entering, Cactus Jack, you should leave. And Cactus Jack is like, you're a prune. So, like, Cactus Jack is like a fucking Redditor or something, he's like a trolly Facebook comment guy, he has just all sorts of insane insults, and then he's like, uh, hey, hey, Harry, I got you a cake, it's your birthday, I got you a cake, but then I sat on it, and then he says that his name is Ruben, Rubus, Rubius, Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts, and then his dialogue is all written, uh, to sound like a Scottish accent, Except for, like, it sort of bleeds into an Irish accent sometimes, but it's mostly Scottish, I think. Um, I'm willing to forgive that for some reason. And so he's a Scottish guy that's a groundskeeper, and so Harry's like, Okay, groundskeeper Willie, what do you want? And groundskeeper Willie is like, I just told you I want some tea or some fucking alcohol. And so this is cool. We have, like, a the, the drunken Scottish guy stereotype. And then groundskeeper Willie shoots fire out of his hands like he's fucking Mario with a flower. And then he pulls out some whiskey and drinks some whiskey. And that's weird because he just asked them if they had any alcohol, but he had alcohol. So he's like a terrible house guest. And then he makes some food and he's like, Dudley, uh, you're still fat in case anyone forgot over the past one and a half pages. And then we get this like incredibly tedious thing where he, where Harry is continually telling Groundskeeper Willie that he doesn't know anything about his parents or what happened, and Groundskeeper Willie is, like, continually incredulous about every aspect of it. Like, are you kidding me? You don't know! And Harry's like, yeah, dude, I don't know. I told you I don't know. Why would I know about this detail if I don't know about any of it? And then Groundskeeper Willie is like, you ever wonder why there's a fucking lightning bolt on your head? And Harry's like, I just thought that meant I was plugged in and charging. And Willie's like, you're not a fucking iPhone, Harry. And so... Hagrid tells Harry he's a wizard, and then he's like, with a mom and dad like yours, what else could you be? And so now I'm thinking, like, wizardry is hereditary? If your parents are wizards, you're a wizard? But then Harry's grandparents weren't wizards, so how did Harry's mom become a wizard? Is it like a recessive trait? Does it skip a generation, but then not skip a generation? But then Harry's mom and dad are both wizards, and that means that they could have a wizard, but then it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense so far. I've thought about this a lot. It doesn't make any sense. So then Willie is like, remember that letter I sent you a hundred thousand times? Uh, well, here it is. And it's from Catwoman. 
and it's basically just an acceptance letter. It has almost no communicative content that couldn't just be relayed to Harry orally, but they had to send him a letter for some reason. And then Harry's like, what does it mean they await my owl? And then the groundskeeper, Willie, is like, oh, that reminds me, I need to demonstrate some scary wizard shit in front of everybody uh, with some fucking live birds. And so he pulls out an owl from his fucking coat, and he's like, I've been keeping this fucking owl in my coat. And then he writes a letter, and it's like, dear Mumblecore, do you like me? Circle yes or no. And then he gives it to the owl, and he throws the owl out the window, and the owl flies away. And then we learn that muggles are non-magic, which is... I. I had sort of suspected that, that they're the non-wizard people, but it gets really confusing because Groundskeeper Willie says that Harry's aunt and uncle are the biggest muggles he ever laid eyes on, so I'm a little bit confused. Is muggleness a spectrum, or is it just a binary? Like, are there degrees of muggleness, or is it like, look, you're, you're magic or you're muggle and there's no in-between, or is it like a one, is there like a one-drop rule for muggles? Is it like performative whiteness? Where it's like, if you drive a sob and you drink pumpkin spice lattes and eat quinoa and kale salads or whatever, you're like more of a muggle. I don't know what's going on with the muggles. It seems like there's like a sort of lack of authenticity among muggles. That like, if you exhibit that to a greater degree, it makes you more of a muggle. So I really do think that the muggle wizard thing is mapping onto race. I'm, I'm sort of like, sort of set on that, but we're going to talk about that later. Oh, and then Aunt Petunia gives a speech about how, of course, they knew Harry was a wizard, and she harbors serious resentment for her sister for being a wizard, and she was a freak. Her her sister was a freak, but Petunia saw that she was a freak, and no one else saw that she was a freak. And so it's this weird dynamic where Petunia thinks that she's, like, the only one that can see these people for what they really are, but then she also harbors all this resentment, it seems like, because her parents seem to be very proud of their daughter's wizardry, which is also really weird because this doesn't map onto any sort of prejudice that I understand. This seems like a very individualist thing with Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon that isn't shared by larger society, so the, the way in which they would have come to this is completely muddled, and I don't really understand it. And then we find out that Harry is this, like, famous, powerful wizard, and everybody knows his name, and everybody knows how awesome he is in the wizard community, um, which this makes Mumblecore sticking him with the sociopathic aunt and uncle even more bizarre and nonsensical to me, because it's like, oh, this dude is so important that, like, people, like, everybody knows who he is, and yet we're gonna stick him in a, with his aunt and uncle, and they're gonna put him in a cupboard, and we're not gonna care. And then they're gonna know about the fact that he's in a cupboard, because they're sending things to his cupboard, They're sending letters to his cupboard, and they're like, hmm, maybe the fact that he's in a cupboard means that he's being mercilessly abused, and we should help him out. And so then, if we didn't already think that Vernon was a terrible monster, which we did, he says that wizards deserve to die. He's like, they got what they had coming because they're wizards, and when you're a wizard, uh, some evil wizard might kill you, and that's just something you deserve. So he's, like, legit spouting some, like, genocidal shit. He's like a straight-up Blue Lives Matter dude, I think. And then Groundskeeper Willie tries to turn Dudley into a pig, but he only turns him into, like, a version of himself that has a pig's tail. And the the reason that he can't turn him into a full-on pig is that Dudley is already too much like a pig. So now, like, actual ontological reality is body-shaming Dudley. It's just like, I am reality. Fuck you, Dudley. You're a pig. So this is... This is insane. Uh, and then and then Groundskeeper Willie admits that he used to be a student at Hogwarts, uh, but he was expelled. 
and Harry asked why, and Willie's like, I gotta go. And then he gives Will, uh, he gives Harry his coat, and he's like, oh, um, it might move around because there are literally live animals in it. And that's the end of the chapter. So there was a lot of backstory in this chapter, and there's a lot of muggle wizard shit that I'm still totally confused about. I could basically think of four analogies for the muggle wizard dichotomy. The first, and I think the most obvious, is race. The second, and the little bit less obvious, is religion. The third would be, like, sexuality or sexual orientation. And then the fourth is this Ayn Rand idea that there are these, like, creators and then, like, leechers. And the creators are great men throughout history, and the leechers are the sort of parasitic assholes who just, like, mooch off the system. It's kind of like the inverse of, like, the Marxist idea that the toiling classes are the ones that actually create the wealth and make society function. And so it's, like, this really weird, destructive capitalist ideology and i think that there's some shit going on with that in this and that's very troubling to me i think the race one is also very troubling to me because when you're mapping something onto race there's basically two ways you can do it you can map it onto race as race is understood critically and sociologically like you can study how races worked historically uh you could study how race has been socially constructed you can study how it interacts by with biological phenotypes and things like that, how it creates certain ideologies, and then you can write the story with that, with those ideas in mind. Or you can map it onto just racial ideology as it is understood by racists. So you basically invent a fantasy world in which your race metaphor works exactly the way that racists understand race to work through their ideology. And I think that we would agree that the first way to do it is the superior way. At least so far, there isn't any really detailed analysis. There isn't really any analysis of structural issues, imbalances, historical inequality, systemic oppression, anything like that in terms of the muggle-wizard dichotomy. So if we're mapping race, it's already very superficial. It's like the most just heavy-handed take on the complexity of race. It's totally not nuanced at all. Plus, it gets, like, the very basic facts of, of race wrong, because wizardry is obviously inherited and innate, but it doesn't necessarily pass through blood relations, and so there's no social construction. It is an individualist, innate characteristic, whereas race is literally the opposite. It's socially constructed, it's performed through familial relations, and there's no innate biological reality to it. Uh, plus the fact that there are, like, actual, tangible distinctions in ability between wizards and muggles makes it more like the way racists think about race than about how race actually works. We obviously know there are no biologically superior characteristics of certain races, yet that is the way that racists think of race. That is the way that racist ideology views the concept of race. So we're being mapped onto something that is the way that racists view race rather than the way that race is actually constructed. So yeah, there's this sort of white bourgeois ideology. And this is, this is pretty troubling to me because I think that the role of good children's fantasy should be, among other things, to challenge and disabuse the audience of their racist ideology rather than to reinforce it. 
As far as religion, obviously there are enough religious connotations to make it seem like wizards are the Christians, and the muggles are the sort of heathens, and it's it's definitely from a perspective of Christian mythos being a sort of inherently good thing. The muggles sort of celebrate mammon, and they're all, you know, they, they care for worldly things, and the Christians sort of have this higher purpose. But this has to be a sort of Calvinist branch, as, as we've talked about, because obviously the, the chosen ones and the reprobate, and it's, it's all innate, and this happens through no fault of one's own. Um, you're either innately a wizard or innately a muggle, and there's nothing you can do about it, which is, uh, a lot of Christian religions don't work that way, but certainly Calvinist um, uh, sort of puritanical religions do. And you have Voldemort, who is like this bad wizard, and that's easily, that's, I mean, it just perfectly ma maps onto the sort of Satan figure from Paradise Lost, who was a fallen angel, and that's kind of the way that, that this struggle seems to be shaping up to be. And then the third is uh, sexual orientation, which I think has a lot of textual evidence, and some of the textual evidence for that would be, obviously, um, the, the snake uh, that is, that is kept in the glass and, and is unleashed when Harry sort of stumbles upon it. There's the scene where Hagrid is uh, feeding sausages to Harry and is like, no sausages for muggles. So certainly there's, there's a little bit of that. I'm not entirely sure how that is going to play out, and I don't really know how well it maps onto sort of the struggle for uh, LGBT rights in, in, in general. There's certainly a lot less heteronormativity in this book, but again, I don't, I couldn't really tell you what the, uh, allegorical significance of that would be. So I think it's trying to do all three of those, race, religion, and sexual orientation, at the same time. And then I think what's really disturbing is this Ayn Rand shit, where these great and powerful people, and they do all the work of history, and then everybody else just mooches off of their greatness. And, like, I want to vomit every time I think about that idea. But the way the Dursleys are portrayed and the way that Harry's portrayed, um, at least so far, there's definitely a case to be made that the narrator of this book is, like, on some fucking Ayn Rand bullshit. And if that's the case, it's probably going to become a race between me finishing the book before I throw it across the room. Alright, I'll see you for chapter 5. <laughs>